Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to another episode of Kitchen Club with me, Serena Lau, and my lovely friend, Sarah Malcolm. Kitchen Club is the weekly podcast that brings you conversations from our kitchen table. Each week brings a new guest, a new area of expertise to get stuck into, and a new recipe. But at the moment, this is created with our guests' three favorite ingredients that are in their kitchen right now. We also ask our guests to share their healthy habit, which is something that enhances their well-being, and we dive a little deeper into that. This week, we're chatting to Joe Weber. Joe is an Ayurvedic doctor and head of herbal education at Pucker Herbs. Ayurveda, translated as science of life, is one of the world's oldest holistic healing systems. This body of wisdom focuses on the unique characteristics of the individual when offering insights in how to promote optimum health and boost vitality. We spoke to Joe about Ayurveda and our dosha types, which you will learn more about as we get into it, and also the incredible effects that herbs can have on the body. It was a truly fascinating chat with Joe and Serena and I could have spoken to her for absolutely hours. Joe's three favorite ingredients were ginger, turmeric, and ghee. But in the absence of ghee in my local shop, we use coconut oil instead. So stay tuned to hear what we made for her. Here is Joe Weber on Kitchen Club. Hello, Joe. Hello. Welcome to Kitchen Club, remote, remote style. Oh, it's lovely to be here, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. And you're down in lovely Somerset, which Serena and I are both envious about, which is so nice. Can you hear the helicopter? No. <laughs> we can just hear birds. It's so nice. It's like a little taste of the countryside. Oh, yeah. No, a helicopter just flew over the roof. But it's mainly just birdsong in Somerset. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joe, we're going to dive straight into your three favourite ingredients that are in your kitchen, that's in your kitchen right now. Um, Do you remember what they were? Yeah, I think it was uh, turmeric and ginger and ghee, or you couldn't get hold of ghee, coconut oil. Yes. 
And I mean, we could have made anything with those really. Very versatile. Um, Is there anything about those ingredients? I mean, you've probably got a lot to say about those ingredients, but is there anything, yeah, that draws you to those in particular? Oh, it was cardamom as well, wasn't it? Did you say cardamom? I think it was cardamom. Well, we can throw in an extra one. I can't remember. What did I say? I've got basically, I love spices. Um, so turmeric is just an all round super spice. It, it tastes great. It gives a lovely earthiness and a great color to food. Um, and it's also amazing support for the body. It's uh, antioxidant and it supports our inflammatory response. So if you wanted to take one herbal spice just to protect you every day against uh, what life can throw at us, then turmeric would be one. And then ginger, ginger's a relation of turmeric, also amazing health-giving spice known as the universal medicine in Ayurveda. Um, but I also love cardamom. I think I might have said cardamom as well, just to give you guys some flexibility. Um, cardamom, I love the name. If I ever had an Ayurvedic cafe, it would be called cardamom. Yeah. Just such lovely, um, sweet, digestive spice that helps cut through heavy foods like wheat. Um, it helps neutralize the effects of caffeine which is why in the Middle East they add it to coffee and in India they add it to chai. Um, and if you chew one, it actually helps with nicotine cravings as well if you're really? trying to stop smoking or vaping. So, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg of those spices. And then ghee is clarified butter, uh, which is a key ingredient in Ayurvedic recipes, but also Ayurvedic treatments and, and cleansing um, protocols but also at the heart of yoga. So I'm a yoga teacher as well as an Ayurvedic practitioner. And I did my university dissertation on ghee. Wow. And um, started writing a book on ghee and then realised probably not many people would want to read a whole book. On <laughs> I would love to read that. <laughs> I can send you my dissertation. It's about 8,000 words on ghee. Wow. Wow. I have to say, cardamom is one of my favourite tastes and ingredients. And Serena always bugs at me because I keep putting it in my coffee like just when I make a coffee I put a couple of pods in and she keeps um turning her nose up at me because she hates it but it is a real love-hate one I think cardamom for a lot of people Mm. turmeric as well adore I know one one like coriander is a definite love-hate I love Mm. coriander but lots of people have a gene genetic variant it really does taste like soap for them so I was doing a children's workshop in a school they had to make their own tea bag it was just really interesting. The children were tasting the coriander and some of them were literally gagging. It was the most disgusting thing. And others were like, no, it's all right. Um, so coriander is definitely polarizing, but I can see that cardamom's not for everyone. What yeah. a cool workshop. Make your own tea bag. I'd like to do that. It was really fun, actually. We had the main ingredient was mint, which is a really popular way to introduce children to herbal teas. And, and we've got a three mint blend. But this one was a was a, a version of Pucker's Mint Refresh, which has licorice, which adds so much sweetness, calorie-free sweetness to the blend. And it's got rose, fennel, and coriander. And um, they had to do make their own tea bag and then design a tea box. We had some blank tea boxes. And so they had to think of a name of their tea company and most of them were really into it but there was one little boy called freddie who didn't like the herbs very much <laughs> and he called it freddie's disgusting tea company <laughs> i thought it was really funny but the teacher came and stuck a white label over it and made him rename but yeah we love getting out into the community getting kids just engaged with powerful organic plants serena would you like to say what recipe made and we would have cooked this for you joe we would have had been able to have this with you but um 
Yeah, virtually. (laughs) (laughs) I made a spiced vegan banana bread and a mango and turmeric and ginger smoothie. Um, The banana bread, I couldn't get any ghee, so I used coconut oil, which I hope is okay. Um, And then I... You can tell me whether this is a myth or not, but I've always been told that when you have turmeric, you have to have a little bit of black pepper with it to help with the bioavailability of the the active ingredient or something. So I, I put a little bit of black pepper in the smoothie. Is that a myth? No, that, that's not a myth. And Ayurveda would always say, um, have a little bit of ginger or black pepper with some of these spices. So there's a bio um, constituent called piperine, which is what makes spices taste spicy. Mm-hmm. And if you like, it helps get our digestion going that little bit more so we can absorb the more beneficial um, compounds from a, a root like turmeric has, is made up of about 230 different compounds, um, including the curcumins that make it yellow um, and also the turmerones, which are the essential oil component. So if you have the whole root, they each help um, the other get absorbed. But adding a little bit of black pepper or ginger with it helps that process further. Mm. awesome Serena did you use fresh turmeric or dried powdered I use powdered because it's locked down but whenever I can get fresh I love it messy fingers though yeah (laughs) messy chopping board messy apron messy everything (laughs) it it does it does tend to wash off um, most things and it doesn't stain your teeth that is the main thing Mm. but certainly if you can get hold of fresh turmeric root um fresh ginger root obviously is pretty available um, but I'm amazed fresh turmeric you can get in most places now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if a, if a, a herb is dried properly, organic and um, dried properly, it keeps a lot of its properties as well. So uh, people people often don't realize they've got a whole sort of medicine resource on their kitchen spice rack with all of mm-hmm. these wonderful digestive spices. As long as they're not sort of 10 years old, <laughs> they're going to have a lot of potency. So, Joe, you are... An Ayurvedic doctor and the head of herbal education at Pucker. Um, Sarah and I are both totally obsessed with Pucker, so that sounds like the absolute dream job. And I made myself a Pucker tea before we started recording because it felt very fitting, and now I'm so hot that I'm <laughs> the thought of drinking it. Is what? that the elderberry and echinacea? It is. Good eyes. It's my favorite. Yeah, that's a good one to be drinking at the moment. Uh, I'm on the uh, Three Tulsi. Uh, but oh, yeah, I love that one too. It's quite hot. I might take my cardigan off in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm aware that we've got so much to talk to you about because both Ayurveda and herbs are such huge topics. But to begin with, for the listeners who are new to Ayurveda, could you tell us just briefly what that is and a little bit about the doshas? Yes, of course. So Ayurveda, basically, it's a Sanskrit word and it means the science of life or the knowledge of life. And it originated in the Indus Valley region of India um, at least 5,000 years ago, um, probably a lot longer ago. Um, And the earliest written texts from humanity describe Ayurveda. The books are called the Vedas and they predate the Bible by a long way. And it's this idea of how can we have a user's manual to get the most out of our life and fulfill our potential? Um, We're all different. Um, and we all need a little bit of guidance on, on how we can live well. So it's diet, herbs, lifestyle, what sort of work suits us best. And the way this is personalized, because there's a mantra in Ayurveda that we, Ayurveda's got something to say about everything, which is one thing. Um, but we are all different. There is no one size fits all advice in Ayurveda. Perhaps 
apart from meditate. <laughs> so there's idea that each of us is slightly different. So what's known as Vata people are more airy or ethery. They're made up of um, five basic elements, but they've just got more of air and space element. So these people think fast, talk fast, move fast. They might be reading three different books on their bedside table at night. They love change and travel. They're probably suffering a bit at the moment, having to stay in lockdown because they don't like routine. They love variety, really creative people, but can get a bit airy. And then you've got pitta types, which are more dominant in fire and water. And these are your determined, confident, organized business people, politicians, athletes, very structured, very determined, can get a bit hot under the collar, maybe a little bit critical, um, quite self-critical sometimes, but they're very articulate, intelligent people and organized. And then you get our lovely watery, earthy kapha types who are the complete opposite of the airy vata types. These people are really grounded, really loyal, really forgiving. They're great people to have in a crisis. They don't lose their head. Um, so they're very um, stable people. They don't change their mind very often. They can be a little bit stubborn, a little bit couch potato if they get out of balance. And most people are a mixture of two of those. Um, so they may be a bit of vata and a bit of pitta. Um, but you do get some people who are just textbook monodoshic. So they're pure vata, pitta or kapha. Does that make sense? Mm. It's so funny how when you're describing each dosha, people straight spring into your mind and you're like, well, that's my boyfriend. Oh, that's my friend. Yeah, such types. <laughs> yeah, so I started um, looking at Chinese medicine. So when I was looking at, because I was pretty unhealthy in my early 20s. So I had my own health journey, really. And I was living a very unbalanced lifestyle. And I started having acupuncture, which was really helpful. But I started trying to work out how I could heal myself and I just couldn't get what I needed from Chinese medicine. And then I trained as a yoga teacher and discovered Ayurveda and the doshas. And it's just like the jigsaw fell into place. I knew exactly what I had to do. And um, it's so relatable. If you describe it, people can think of friends or family, but, but also think of yourselves. You know, maybe which dosha is getting a bit out of balance and how you can bring yourself back into balance. Mm. And what are some of those ways that you can see that you're out of balance and bring yourself back in, Joe. So I'd say for a lot of people, digestion and sleep are two areas that get upset pretty quickly. And if our digestion gets upset, we know about the microbiome now and all it's amazing. 80% of our immunity is in the gut. 80% of our serotonin comes from the gut, the whole gut-brain axis. So Ayurveda is totally obsessed with digestion. Um, and most people come have some sort of digestive imbalance. Um, but sleep is another really good indicator of things aren't quite right as well. Um, most people not getting enough sleep, but a few Kappa people might be getting too much sleep, but that's the minority. So I'd say um, sleep and digestion are two good indicators. And as far as bringing yourself back into balance, Vata people need to warm and ground. So a routine is really good for them and giving up raw food. Um, so warming, nourishing, like casseroles and stews and risottos, those kind of foods really kind to their gut. Pitta people need to cool and calm through herbs, diet and lifestyle. So something like coriander is great for, for pitta. And they need to let go of control a little bit and uh, just chill out. <laughs> mm. And then your kapha types, they need the opposite to vata. They need to warm and stimulate 
um, and get moving. So herbs like ginger and turmeric and ginseng are really great for them. And they need to shake things up. Sometimes they can be in too much of a routine. So the advice is really different for each person. And it's funny, isn't it? Probably when you are feeling particularly imbalanced in one thing, you, you probably don't want to do the things that you should. <laughs> it's so interesting. And this, this comes up a lot. I tend to find that Vata people out of balance love raw food and they travel a lot and they're very fast living. Uh, Pitta people love spicy food and chilies and alcohol and red meat and things that are going to make them hotter burning a candle at both ends like saunas and ashtanga yoga and Bikram and all sorts of really mm-hmm. hot things. And Kappa people love wheat, cheese, potatoes, Netflix, DVDs, <laughs> when out of balance. And this takes me back to that point that the one size fits all advice would be to meditate, just connect with that inner wisdom, which we all have. But modern life is bonkers. There's so many distractions for our attention. But if you do take it five, 10 minutes each day, just to tune in and listen to the um, Ayurveda believes the heart and the mind are connected. So just tuning into that that inner wisdom that we all have, mm. slowly things change. And I, I know this because I used to eat completely the wrong things for me and do completely the wrong things. And with my Ayurveda glasses on, I spent 10 years bringing myself back into balance, which, um, you know, worked. But I needed that time out to reflect on actually. And, and it comes back to the gut biome. If, um, you know, there's the gut brain axes. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting, most people probably think there's more messages going from their brain to their gut, but there's actually eight times as many messages going from our, our enteric nervous system to our brain. So the intelligence is in our gut, but if we're eating the wrong food, not digesting right, it gets blurry. There's like a coating in the gut and the intelligence is confused. Um, so it's a very beautiful system. Really. If we sort out the digestion, then we have clarity here about actually what diet, herbs, lifestyle work is going to allow us to fulfill our potential. Wow. So really um, gut intuition. It's not just like listen to your gut. It is really listen to your gut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. And it's wonderful that this 5,000 year old wisdom is being backed up by so much modern research now, um, supporting how important the microbiome is for almost every aspect of health and people who trained in medicine 15 years ago, 10 years ago, are having to, to learn everything again, because it's, it's really blown open this whole new area. And so many of the herbs that we use in our, our pucker tea blends and supplements are being shown to be prebiotics. Um, mm. So turmeric, cinnamon, uh, licorice, rosemary, for example, they're all shown to positively influence this environment in the gut and and help the good guys out and make it more uncomfortable for any um, less favorable microbes to hang around. Have either of you read 10% Human? No, but I love that stuff. I love that book. It's what our lovely friend LK recommended it to me years ago. And it's, yeah, about all the influence that your gut has on your mental health, your physical health. It's fascinating. So I really recommend that to everyone listening. I can't actually remember who wrote it, but 10% Human. It's we'll leave it in the show notes. It's very good. Uh, <laughs> Joe. I would love it if you could please talk a little bit around adaptogens because it's a buzzword that's been used a lot. And I see it being thrown around on Instagram and stuff. And it's something that I've researched myself from time to time when I'm feeling particularly anxious or stressed. But I feel like there's not a lot of concrete knowledge on, on what it is and people end up doing deep dives on Google and then blindly following that. So please, can you tell us about adaptogens? 
Sure. So I guess with my Ayurveda hat on, this the idea with the doshas, there's an adaptogen that is more suited for each dosha. Um, but let, let's step back and just look at the whole class of herbs. Um, they really do what they say on the tin. They allow us to adapt to change and to, to stress. Um, and modern life is stressful, uh, as we all know. I did a mindfulness-based stress reduction course, and they use the example of driving a car for an hour. We don't think of that as a stressful experience. But if you think about the pro amount of processing our brain is having to do of information, particularly if we're driving at sort of 70 miles an hour, so the body considers that stress. Um, running a marathon or even running a long distance, that is a form of stress for the body. So adaptogens allow us to adapt to stress. And what's really interesting about these herbs, so um, a key one for us is ashwagandha, um, shatavari, but also the tulsi that I'm drinking, um, ginseng. They grow quite often in really inhospitable places in the world where other plants would struggle. So there might be um, very little water or there might be very little nourishment in the soil or it might just be really hot. So most plants would not thrive in those conditions. But these adaptogens, they just get the water and the nourishment they need from the, from the roots. Quite often we use the root of the herb to help us root and ground and nourish. And um, they do the same for us. They give us nourishment that we need to um, adapt to stress. So quite often they have a tonifying effect on the nervous system. Um, they may work on the HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary axis. Um, so that's all about our cortisol production and the adrenals. Um, so they're very supportive on many levels and they're particularly relevant for this time because I think most people in the planet are facing some kind of change at the mm. moment in some way. Um, so they're a real go-to class of herbs for us at the moment. It's interesting you mentioned about the, the car analogy because I particularly notice when I've been away from London and then I come back to London, I have to get the tube and you're just faced with so many stimulus, stimuli, noises, people, things and yeah. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, smartphones are another source. Um, but what's mm. really interesting about adaptogens is they are normalizing. Um, so you might have heard of this term homeostasis. So in, in the body, we want things to be nicely balanced. Um, an adaptogen, if something's too high in the body, it will help bring it down. And if something's too low, it will help bring it up. Oh, wow. So there's an intelligence there in the herb that it does different things in different people. And this is sometimes why it's very hard to put a modern research lens on these herbs because they act on multiple sites. Many um, Western pharmaceutical drugs are very targeted just on one site in the body, whereas some of these ancient herbs will act on 20, 30 different sites in the body. And there's this synergistic effect um, with all the compounds in the root. You aren't just taking the curcumin, you're taking the whole of the turmeric root. Um, so they're normalizing and they're non-specific. So they're acting on multiple sites and they're very safe to take over a long period of time. Um, so if you are feeling depleted or run down, then an adaptogen can really help um, support you over a long period of time. Mm. And it's presumably not a quick fix. You're not going to say, oh, I'm going to take ashwagandha for two days and feel fab. For most people, I'd say taking herbs for one to three months is a fair amount of time to experience its results. Um, with ashwagandha, you can experience that quite quickly, particularly its effects on sleep. 
it helps us get more of the restorative deep sleep where all the real healing magic happens for sleep. Um, so many people aren't getting enough sleep now. And there was a stat that I came across the other day. We're getting on average a month less sleep a year than our grandparents were. Whoa. Because they were getting 8.1 hours and the average person's getting about 6.1. I can't remember the exact figures, but it, it counts as a, a month less a year because effectively, if we're getting eight hours, that's a third of our day is spent sleeping. Mm. And that was pretty mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And that's them growing up in a time of war, of rationing, of really a much more stressful lifestyle. But because of our technology and or everything that we're absorbing, we're putting more stress on ourselves than ever. And how would, um, if you were, if someone was wanting to try adaptogens, what should they look for? Should that be uh, for their dosha type? How would you begin even going into so if someone if someone knows that they are uh, a vata type then ashwagandha is a really great herb for them it means strength of a stallion in Sanskrit, uh, so it gives you that energy and drive of a, a stallion it, it's also an aphrodisiac as well there you um, go. i was gonna say i think i've heard that's good for libido it is good for libido um but anything in ayurveda that's good for libido will nourish all the tissues because if you like the reproductive tissues are seen as the essence of all the other tissues so it doesn't do you any harm to take an aphrodisiac it means all your tissues are going to get nourished and and really you know your mojo or your libido that's your that's your sort of vitality isn't it mm. depends how you use that energy um so ashwagandha strength of a stallion is great for for warming and grounding vata types if you do happen to know you're a pitta type then shatavari is a is a beautiful herb it's generally thought of as a herb for women's health but it's an adaptogen and men can take it as well um it, the name shatavari means woman with a hundred husbands because the root is said to have a hundred roots um, I said this to one client and she just looked at me and went, isn't one husband enough? <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so that's, that's a, a cooling grounding adaptogen. And then if you know you're more of the watery, earthy kapha type, then a herb like ginseng is really helpful because it's warming, warming and stimulating, but also has that um, normalizing effect on the body. It's so fascinating, isn't it? I know. Everything that you say makes me want to ask you 20 more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> um, so herbs in general, Joe. I mean, it's such, it's such a broad topic, isn't it? And we, in our sort of day-to-day, or my day-to-day, there is so much pressure on getting enough fruit and vegetables and eating well that way. How important is it to have herbs in our everyday life and how important are they to maintain our body function and restore balance? I know we've already sort of covered bits and bobs, but how important is it to have a lot of herbs? So a really interesting thing came from something called the um, the British Gut Project. That I don't know if you've heard of Tim Spector. So we all know we should be eating five fruit and veg a day, although research indicates really it should be near a 10 but because lots of people struggle to even get five, let's just stick up five and aim for that. But really, we should be eating seven, eight. But what Tim Spector discovered was that basically a lot of people are sticking to the same five. So they may have in a week carrots three times, broccoli five times, apples, potatoes and peas. 
So they have those same five fruit and veg, but pretty much every other day. So they're not getting the diversity. And this is where herbs and spices and even herbal teas are adding an amazing amount of diversity. So he showed that actually to have a really healthy um, gut biome and his research is really fascinating. He's done a lot of work on twins, showing that even identical twins have very different microbiomes. He said we actually need to get 30 types of plant foods in our diet each week. So once you've had avocado, you cross that off your list. And that even if you have an avocado every day, uh, which I wouldn't recommend for a cafe type, it's too oily and heavy, you can't count that towards your 30. So you then have to try different fruits and veg. And it's we, we got everyone at Pocker to do it. We called it the Pocker Happy Gut Challenge. And some people, you know, if you have a stir fry, you're on, you're on your way. But really mm-hmm. herbs, fresh herbs, spices, Um, herbal teas are a wonderful way to add this diversity that our microbiome is really craving Mm. so they should count in all of that we shouldn't just yeah we should look more than just our fruit and veg to take things off yeah especially herbs like turmeric which have such amazing antioxidants uh, capacity Um, and there's the, the greens the spirulina chlorella all those sorts of things. They're really nutrient-dense foods. They're really going to help us out here, um, particularly if you know you're traveling. Sometimes when you're traveling, it is hard to get enough fresh fruit and veg. Mm. Um, and we'd never say use supplements instead of eating fruit and veg, but they can be a wonderful enhancer. Um, and it's interesting just thinking about tea. The, the Dutch government in, in Netherlands, they've said that three cups of tea counts towards one of your healthy eating plate five a day now because they've recognized um, all the research on the polyphenols in tea helps to contribute to that. So um, we're not quite there yet in the UK, but Tim Spector is always talking about um, dark chocolate and red wine, you know, other polyphenol-rich foods as well mm. um, to help my- my grandpa had a glass of medicinal red wine every single day. He lived to 102. So exactly. <laughs> I think I might do the same. <laughs> um, and what are the best herbs for certain times of the day? When should we be taking things? And what should we take, be taking in the morning versus the evening? Oh, this is a lovely question. So Ayurveda is really big on this idea of daily routine. It's called Dina Charya, which just means daily routine. And um, I was writing an article yesterday on the whole circadian diet, which essentially is Ayurveda. It's like, don't eat after sunset and eat most of your calories at midday. Mm -hmm. Um, So Ayurveda loves this idea of routine. So when I teach this in workshops, I say, start the day with something spicy. So um, a ginger tea, for example, um, or turmeric and galangal or mixed with green tea. So something spicy and stimulating to get digestion going. Um, And it's really important to have a bowel movement before breakfast and having a spicy tea can help that. A lot of people in this country don't have their first bowel movement till mid-morning. And again, if someone comes to see me as an Ayurvedic practitioner, that's one of the first things we'll try and work on is getting the gut going before the stimulus of food. Um, And then after meals, you might want to have a digestive tea with herbs like fennel, cumin, aniseed, again, ginger. and then in the evening, when you're winding down from your work, we'd start to move to more relaxing herbs like chamomile, tulsi, rose, lavender. Um, we've got ashwagandha in one of our teas and we've got a nighttime blend. But those really relaxing herbs and chamomile is the real panacea here. 
Um, it has such a powerful effect. Um, relaxing its essential oils help relax all the muscles in the body. Um, so again, working on the gut brain as well. So even just having that cup to hold without even drinking it would, would do something, would it? Yeah. Would have that effect. There's such a lovely mindfulness of tea practice where you can just hold the tea in your hand and feel the warmth and then start to smell the tea, a bit like wine tasting, but tea mm. tasting. And it's the mindfulness, isn't it? We talk about microbakes quite a bit, just putting on the kettle or going to the, the tea area at work, it, you know, making a cup of tea, just holding a cup of tea and drinking a cup of tea. That can be just a whole lovely mindfulness practice as long as you're not thinking about all the meetings you've got coming up. And when you're drinking tea, just, just drink tea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a very beautiful, there's a, there's a lot of sort of Zen tea drinking meditations out there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very beautiful. You're making me think that I really need to stock up my pucker selection of teas. I've only got like my three favorites at the minute and now I need all these special ones for different times of day. <laughs> but I was talking to um, Sebastian Paul, our founder this morning, um, and he, was, he does a lovely tea meditation um, every Wednesday morning for the whole company. And uh, it's gone a bit bonkers. So demand for some of our products has gone up a thousand percent in the last <gasps> weeks. Wow. Oh, right. Yes. So it's, it's amazing that people are really wanting to drink more um, herbal teas and particularly take supplements. So um, I think if, if one positive's come out, if people are really wanting to look after themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What's your favourite puck of tea if you could only drink one? Oh, gosh. It, w- it would change through the seasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's the Tulsi that I took. Um, so Tulsi is also an adaptogen. I didn't talk about it, but it's, it's great for kapha types because it's, um, it means holy basil in Sanskrit. Um, so it's a very sacred herb in India, um, so much so that the growers who source our, um, our Tulsi don't wear shoes when they harvest it because they don't want to wear it's disrespectful to wear shoes in a field of Tulsi. Oh, wow. And this is, we use the leaf. It's unusual in adaptogen. It's not the root, it's a leaf. And it's got this wonderful clearing effect on the lungs and the head. So it helps focus the mind, awaken the senses, but also it's, it's real sort of respiratory lung support. And it just, it's, it's a cousin of basil that we use to make pesto, but it's like the sort of the spiritual cousin with supersonic powers. Gosh, there's so much to it, isn't there? I know. That um, that also just made me think, thinking about tea, and I should have asked you while we were talking about ashwagandha, what, what do you think of, not what do you think, how would someone take them if they don't like the taste? Like ashwagandha I've always had as a powder and I just feel like it ruins my smoothie. Is, do you think, is it fine just to be taking things as pills? Ashwagandha is one of the ones that tastes better. You should try our andrographis, which is called King of Bitters. That is... Uh, but that's an amazing immune support herb that, that we do. Um, so we, we sell herbs in capsules, mm-hmm. um, which then get digested in the stomach. You, you do miss out on the taste in the mouth. So um, lots of herbs traditionally, they work when you start tasting them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, capsules is fine as well. You know, as a practitioner, I'm just saying, whatever helps you get them down, just take the herbs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> take the herbs. Take the herbs. <laughs> So two things that Sarah and I are both particularly interested in are women's health and then stress and anxiety management. Are there any obvious answers to the herbs or 
or adaptogens that can be supporting those two areas? Again, I know it's tricky because it's dosha specific, but. So for women's health, uh, obviously it's completely different for, for what stage of life cycle we're at. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing a lot of work on menopause at the moment, supporting women through menopause um, and hormonal balance. Shatavari is the real hero herb here. Um, we're doing some in-house um, herbal research, partnering with universities, looking at how shatavari helps support postmenopausal women. Um, it's thought to help upregulate the gene expression for bone density, because mm. um, a lot of postmenopausal women can get problems with bone thinning, osteoporosis. Um, so these herbs are having really punchy effects. But shatavari can help women from when they get their first period um, throughout trying to have a, a child and menopause and beyond so it's one of those herbs um, especially when combined with other supporting herbs that can support women I would just say from a lifestyle perspective because I always just think diet herbs lifestyle it's like a, a triangle but for women um, stress is a massive one and it links to your second um, area and I've seen time and time again if a woman is really stressed in her 40s and early 50s before she goes into menopause then she's likely to have more difficult symptoms because stress has such a knock-on effect on the balance of hormones in the body such as estrogen and um, if if a woman can really find some mind-body balancing practices whatever support she needs to help balance that and it's ironic because most women are at the peak of their careers they've probably got kids they're trying to keep a household so just when a woman needs to be really looking after herself she's probably juggling the most responsibility she's going to have in life it's, it's a sort of irony really but to herb like shatavari and then just really watching those stress triggers and for stress and anxiety which again is is a massive area mm. um ashwagandha is the hero herb here but also supporting herbs like um, chamomile and tulsi can really help. Um, and again, lifestyle factors. Um, Ayurveda's got a very beautiful um, view on yoga. So vata types need much more restorative, calming yoga. So you might get a vata person going to yoga thinking it's helping with their stress. But if it's a really dynamic vinyasa flow, then that's depleting them more. So they probably need to do restorative, like yin, yoga nidra. And again, a pitta person who's close to burnout might be going to yoga, but if they're going to Bikram or Ashtanga, that's just feeding that. So for them, they need more of a kind of calming practice, still demanding, but not heating. Mm. And a kapha person, they might want to go to the yin, but they need the Ashtanga, oh. the Bikram, the Vinyasa. So... I, I say it's like having a pair of glasses, you know, once you know your dosha. And we've got a really lovely dosha quiz on puckerherbs.com. If, if, if you've got no idea what dosha you are, you can just do this lovely quick quiz and it starts to peel off the layer of the onion and give you a hint what you might be. Um, but then anything you're looking at, what should I be eating? What sort of work should I do? Even what partner should I have? Or how can I get the best out of my partner? Once you both know your doshas, it's like putting on a pair of glasses and the world never looks quite the same mm. again. That's such a nice I want to go and do the quiz after this because I feel like I can see myself in all three of them. 
So we've all got three doshas. That's a really important point to make because we're all a balance of these five core elements. But as I said, for about 80% of people, two doshas will pop out mm-hmm. and, and a few people are one and a really rare few are an equal balance of all three doshas. Wow. So what's called tridoshic and these people are blessed. <laughs> yeah. They've got the best of each dosha. So they're really balanced and they're just uh, all around superstar people to have around. I feel like I've got the worst of each one. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, Jo, let's talk about your healthy habit. I know um, Serena's very excited about this one because she is a reflexologist. Ah, Yes. So I love your healthy habit. Will you tell the listeners what it is, please? Oh, yes, that's great. You're a reflexologist. Um, so I really struggle with this one because obviously Ayurveda's got something to say about everything. But something I found over the years of practice with clients is um, massaging the soles of the feet for five minutes before bed can really improve the quality of their sleep. So you can do the massage yourself um, just using the thumbs and it helps to use a little coconut oil or ghee or any oil. Or ideally, ask someone else to do the foot massage. (laughs) And what this does is it takes down all the buzzy energy from the head and just brings it down. So any thoughts that might have disturbed your sleep. um, So quite often people wake up between um, 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. and they can't go back to sleep. It can help that early waking because of the, the, the points connecting the head and the feet. So Serena, you'll know all about this as a reflexologist. But it's also a chance for a, I call it a rewind of your day. So as you massage your feet, you you think about, I got up, I brushed my teeth, I went to work, this happened, I'm stuck at home with three children, time to work. And any sort of unresolved issues from the day pop up and you can just resolve those and make peace with anything that you need to make peace with. You don't have to do that, but it's a chance just to give your mind a bit of a, just go through the day and then poof you're ready for a really deep restorative sleep. Mm. That's a lovely idea of going through and making peace with anything that didn't go quite how you wanted it to. Yeah, I didn't add that in the email, but um, it's just while you're using the time, you could do deep breathing, you could, you know, meditate, or, you know, you could just chat to your partner. Or, um, but, but I find that's a lovely way to use that time because mm. stuff pops up that you were too busy to deal with in the day and you're like, okay, she said that to me. Clearly, she was like, I'm not owning that. I'm just going to let that one go. Yeah. But just something like that it. can be enough to wake you up in the night and you're like, whoa, why did she say that to me? So, uh, yeah, how did you find it? Did you give it a go? Yeah, but actually, surprisingly, I've never addressed the fact that I do this every night. And, I mean, I, I've, I worked a bit more on it in recent nights because I definitely didn't do five minutes previously. I probably do one minute. Um, but I've done this every day for quite a while and it is just so lovely to, to also just bring your focus down to your feet because we forget about them so much, don't we? And they're, they're so important in everyday life and are used so much. And a lot of my yoga classes are around the feet. So I really do. Um, I'm very grateful for feet. So it is really nice to just tune into those at the end of the day and be like, yes, Thank you, Feet. You're great. I really loved it. I really love this healthy habit a lot. Me too. It's something that I do quite often anyway, and I like using some nice oils with lavender and stuff to help me get ready for bed. 
And yeah, I, I feel like it just goes without saying that, of course, I love it. I'll, like, <laughs> I'll do anything to have someone stroke my feet every night on the sofa. I'm like to my boyfriend, please, can you massage my feet? And he's like, no, leave me alone. I'm like, please. So then I have to do it myself. <laughs> it's interesting I, I love massages that the touch is a big part of ayurvedic treatment particularly for vata people they they a really good hug or sense of touch really helps calm vata in the body but i never fall asleep in a massage but in a good reflexology treatment i always fall asleep i'm exactly the same because because you, your body's not being sort of touched all over and you can just totally and and that for me is is very powerful healing going on I always say that to my clients that it's like the one time if I have a massage, my head is still whirring. My thoughts are still whirring. But as soon as I have a reflexology treatment, it's like you've given me a sedative. I'm out. I'm just gone. I'm so relaxed. I can't think about anything else. I can't worry about anything else. It's amazing. Can I, can I share one more tip, which is more useful for the day? It's to do with the mamas. Um, so I, when you learn reflexology, you probably didn't talk about mamas, but Ayurveda calls them vital points, like like Chinese acupuncture points. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that works is there's lots of mamas in the head and the feet. Um, there's 108 important ones in the body and many are in the head and the feet, which is why a good head massage or a good foot massage is so powerful. But it's interesting you intuitively already massaged your feet. And I'm sure lots of people do. But I'm sure lots of people are going to try it tonight. Mm-hmm. But if you are um, stressed in a meeting or a train journey or wherever you are, um, there's a mama point here on the temples, which again, when, you've, when you're stressed out, you intuitively massage, don't you, around mm-hmm. the temples? Yeah. Um, but you can really trigger this point by... Um, we weren't doing that, but you'd close your eyes and, and focus, but you do three big circles clockwise. We can close our eyes and do it. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're all doing there it, staring at each other. So you just breathe <laughs> into the belly and then circle three big times clockwise. And I, I just use the, uh, the index finger, but any finger's fine. And then changing directions, doing three circles clockwise, using a nice firm pressure. So it's just circling around the whole temple area. So about the size, a little bit bigger than a 50p piece maybe. And then when you finish, just gently bringing the fingers down and away. And bringing yourself back. Mm, so nice. It's so lucky we, Serena, we get to do these nice things when we record. Yeah. <laughs> I love how impromptu that was. <laughs> that's such a lovely, that's called the stress mama and it just brings instant calm. So if you've got to do a presentation or anything, it's, it's a really powerful point to, and the more you use that point, the more it charges up. That's the other thing about these mamas. Oh, wow. And of course it's a 108, 108 of them because... <laughs> or isn't there 108 of in Ayurveda and yoga <laughs> yeah yeah so there's actually thousands but it's it's 108 most important ones right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's getting quite complex Ayurveda but but the the, the philosophy is is very simple to to grasp you know once you know your dosha then uh, things really fall into place yeah yeah gosh joe we could really ask you about a thousand things and just sit here all day i would love to do that (laughs) but (laughs) but i've got to go do my dosha quiz (laughs) (laughs) it's been such a pleasure speaking to you joe thank Thank you so so, much much time and coming well coming to chat to us sadly not coming to chat to us but i really want to try that will you post me a slice of your banana bread maybe absolutely (laughs) 
Thank you, Joe. Have a really lovely day. Thank really you. Fantastic. Thank you. It's lovely. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe. That was truly fascinating. And Ayurveda is such a massive body of knowledge, as is herbalism, that I really feel like we could have gone on for ages. And I've got so many more questions for her. I agree. As soon as we stopped recording, I was going about my day and thought, oh, I wish I asked Joe that. I wish I asked Joe that, just based on everything she started to say. It was incredible. We'll have to get her back on sometime. Oh, we will. (laughs) We will. The recipe for Serena's spiced banana bread and the delicious golden turmeric smoothie will be on our Instagram page, which is at Kitchen Club Podcast. So head over there to grab the recipe and make it. And if you've been enjoying Kitchen Club, we would love it if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a little review so we can keep this going and spreading good vibes all around. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye.